Hello everyone, we are excited to be back with our first ever live episode of Gut Shot, the Magic the Gathering podcast with a game-winning ultimate, but a plus one that just gains life. I am your shorter, plumper, more supple host, War Crimes Uwu. That is right. This is a new paradigm in how we're doing things. Uh, super excited about this. It's like a, it's like a new beginning, a new dawn. Uh, hello, everyone. I am Will, and as always, I'm joined by Frederick, aka War Crimes Uwu. As always, Fred, it's been a hot minute. How are you doing? Pretty good. This last semester was awful. Um, but I am glad that we are uh, out of school for the semester and back into doing some gut shot, being able to sort of give it our all, take it in a new direction. And we're excited to show that to our audience. You know, in these unprecedented times, it, it's <laughs> it's time to to try something new and to, um, you know, make make something out of uh, the um, absolute trash pile that uh, 2020 has been. So we are here and uh, man, I'm super excited to talk about magic. I yes. don't think we've really had a uh, in-depth magic discussion since um, probably around when uh, Zendikar Rising came out. So uh, I want to ask you real quick, uh, you know, what, what have you been doing in magic in the last uh, uh, little while since we, we talked? How are you enjoying uh, Zendikar Rising? Um, I'm liking the couple cards that it added to, um, like, Historic Mono Black Devotion. Actually, really more Kaladesh Remastered than that. Having Gifted Aetherborn and Fatal Push uh, in Historic Mono Black Devotion has been the sauce. Uh, and oh, you yeah. know me, I've been just Outlaws Merriman thing in Standard, and I'm going to do it until I can't anymore. Um, and, I mean, Zendikar Rising added a couple cards to that. It added the Flip Lands, which are much appreciated, and then, like, one more removal spell. But, you know, I'm, I'm a simple man. I like to slam down Outlaws Merriment, and I like to play Mono Black Devotion Historic. And Kaladesh Remastered added some stuff to that. I am playing Crypt of Agadim in that deck as well, and it has sometimes led to some explosive plays. So that's that's uh, what I've been doing in Magic. So, uh, Crypt of Agadim, you'll have to remind me what that does. It's the Black Mythic Flip land. Oh, oh okay, okay. Right. The path, the path land. Oh, no, right. not the path land. Uh, which, Agad Agadim which is Awakening Crypt of Agadim. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, I see. yeah. You hardly ever cast the spell, but when you do, it's sometimes pretty cool. You know, that's interesting. Um, I actually think Zendikar Rising has been a really great set, you know, for Magic, just in terms of like design and power level. Omnath, not considering. Yeah. But I gotta be honest, I haven't really played any standard since uh, Zendikar Rising came out because you know it's it's like why wouldn't you just play Historic instead? Uh, True. All all of my efforts have been in uh, historic, and especially uh, since I call, uh, um, especially since um, uh, Kaladesh came out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with with all all those toys. The only standard that I've really played has been in brawl, which I actually am super into brawl. I I, I may be going a little bit towards the the commander side of things. Um, Phylath, I've been jamming Phylath almost nonstop uh, since Zendikar Rising came out. Uh, have you been playing in brawl? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I love my, I like historic brawl. I think, um, it does, it feels clunkier in standard because you just don't have all of the tools that you would need to make your deck work. You have to play some pretty bad cards, um, to play singleton with just standard. So I do, uh, play more historic brawl, but, uh, Chandra Todd has been really fun, uh, from Kaladesh Remastered, putting her, both putting her in my Clothis deck and just playing her as the commander and putting her in my six drop Chandra deck. Um, I just love the card Chandra Torch of Defiance. I think it's super versatile. 
it's like a red Jace the Mind Sculptor, um, and I've loved playing that in every Red Brawl deck. Really glad that that's around, because I play a lot of Historic Brawl. Um, and I've been playing some Ashiok Brawl in Standard. I feel like that deck has the tools to kind of get there. I've been really enjoying that. Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds Ashiok. like a... Standard Brawl. Yeah, that's... A yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, Chandra, Torch of Defiance, obviously a great card. Um, I actually have to kind of disagree with you a little bit. I oh. actually think Standard Brawl is pretty fun. Um, okay. And uh, Historic Brawl is fun. I think Standard Brawl is also very fun. Uh, and I think the um, uh, the choices that you have to make with the Standard Card Pool uh, with the standard card pool actually adds um, a layer of um, a strategy and um, uh, uh, fun uh, to it. Um, you know, because, uh, you know, with Phylath, I actually feel like there are too many good cards in standard for Phylath, really? and I have to make, yeah, I have to make some some tough huh. cuts. Um, yeah. You know, Escape to the Wilds? Yes. Yeah, I don't play that in Phylath, even though it's kind of a home run. Of course, you get that in <clears> there because there are other cards I'd rather play. Yeah, so, I was uh, surprised when that got banned from standard. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, I'm even more surprised that you wouldn't play it in standard Phylath Brawl, but I guess you've, you've tuned that list. You've played it for a pretty long time, it seems like. You know, I don't even play Azusa in that deck. Uh, it's just there are other more powerful things I can be playing yeah. instead of playing a creature that lets me play more uh, lands from my hand. Why don't I play just more ramp cards that get the lands directly out of my deck? Yeah, you know? that um, one so, doesn't surprise me as much because I think Azusa is more for the sort of silly combos with Karoo lands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't know. It, it is crazy that there's so many ramp tools in standard that you only play some of them in Phylath. <laughs> This is not why we're here on this podcast uh, to talk you're right. about. Yeah. But, but One more I, note. I, if you prefer Standard Brawl, your misogyny is showing. I will not elaborate. Google is free, sweaty. <laughs> but uh, Will, tell us what we're here for. Yes. Okay. So we are super excited for the new upcoming Standard set, called Heim. It's been teased uh, for quite a while through through Magic's history. I think we first heard about it, this may be wrong, but we first heard about it, or at least I first heard about it, in the uh, Plane Chase uh, set with the called Heim Plane that I think uh, did something, it like uh, buffed up attacking creatures or mm -hmm. something like that. But we're finally getting, we're going to the plane proper this time with a standard set. And uh, we're, we're already clued in that it's going to be heavily themed by Norse mythology. Yes, I, uh, I remember hearing about Kaldheim and there were some leaked fake packs of Kaldheim a year, I guess it would have been a year ago. Because, yeah, yeah, it would have been a, about a year ago. We thought that Kaldheim was going to be the January set last year because there were some pretty convincing looking fake packs. And that was before mm -hmm. they revealed the whole year ahead at once. Um, and we thought that, like, Kaldheim was going to be out then based on... And it, it was a leak that someone made based on that plane. Uh, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that seems like the logical next course of action. You know, Norse mythology is the one mythology they haven't really touched very much. So we'll probably get that set. And now we finally are, and I'm super stoked. Yeah, this is going to be a great set. Everyone's excited about it. And there's all sorts of awesome things from Norse mythology that could easily translate into magic cards, either the story oh, yeah. or uh, card designs. And we wanted to talk about that. You know, we're huge nerds, just like everyone else that plays <laughs> magic. So of course, we're very well versed in the mythologies of, uh, of the real world. And we wanted to uh, take a look into Norse mythology and find things that we thought would really work well within magic. And we've both come uh, today prepared with some ideas and even some card designs to share with you. 
Yeah, yeah. So um, let's uh, let's just jump right into it. This first one was one of your suggestions, Drogar, which uh, I'm going to be honest, I thought were from the Elder Scrolls. They are actually. Um, most people are actually going to know these from the Elder Scrolls. Um, these are the uh, basically the zombies that you would find inside, uh, you know, a lot of Skyrim dungeons. But so you kind of get the idea of what these are. These are basically zombies, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, like the Norse mythology version of undead that come to life and uh, can uh, wreak havoc, attack or just cause harm uh, to living humans. Um, or you maybe uh, maybe you could get this idea from the White Walkers from Game of Thrones. I'm sure mm -hmm. that this was a I'm sure that this was a um, uh, inspiration for those as well. So yeah. basically, yeah. So basically, they're previously living humans uh, that are uh, you know who wake up and you know smell of death. You know they're rotting bodies, uh, and they're often described as having like a you know like pale like corpse like a pale blue uh, skin. And, and they're often said to have magical abilities as well, which is no surprise for people who's been in any sort of Skyrim dungeon. Um, but you can actually kill these a second time. Um, you know, it's not like it's not like, a, a, I guess, modern Western zombies is how you would say that. Yeah. Um, that like you like you keep killing them and they keep walking back up. They do die a second time and they're supposed to stay dead after that. Um, mm. So... Uh, the um the pale blue skin the smelling of rot uh i i didn't think that my prediction that we would have a set that takes place in cincinnati would come true but here we are uh -huh. um i love these um so are these actually from norse mythology and they're called draugar there or just are they from the elder scrolls because i thought that um, the elder scrolls made them up uh no no the, yeah <laughs> this is basically like what I'm saying that magic should do with these, the Drygar are from Norse mythology and okay. uh, were, tr yeah. And so basically the, the um, uh, Bethesda making Skyrim took that idea and put yeah. them into Skyrim pretty much, you know, word for word. Okay. Um, yeah. And, 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 I, um, I like this. I think um, it would be silly for them not to put this in here. This seems like one of the good touchstones for them to sort of hit on, especially like, you know, when they're making black cards for the set, it feels like, you know, every other block we get like a one drop creature that can bring itself back. If you meet a condition, the set cares about, like there was a blood chin ravager or whatever the, that had raid in Kansa Tarkir that you could put back most recently, um, gutter bones, um, which if you had, uh, if you had the Rakdos condition met, you could return it to your hand and then put it back into play. And I think, um, you know, if there's a mechanic that, uh, whatever, whatever this set happens to care about, uh, a Draugar could maybe come back. Um, but also the way you said that they kind of stay dead, perhaps there could be like an unearth type mechanic involved. I would like to see multiple Draugar, but at least one fulfilling the role of like the ag aggressive black one drop that can come back if you meet the condition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just kind of thinking about this just being kind of the zombies of the entire um, of okay. the entire set. Yeah. Uh, so basically, like, you know, of course, there would be a whole slew of zombies, including that aggressive black uh, one drop, and they could all just kind of be themed around uh, the Dragar. Um, how, so we talked a little bit about this before we started, but um, so you have been kind of keeping yourself away from the actual card spoilers. Of yeah. Call of Time. Oh, I correct? wanted this uh, yeah, until we did this episode. I wanted make sure that this episode is sort of like man I, I don't want to be like man it would be cool if they include this literal exact thing that's already been spoiled you know what i mean okay so did you see how there's going to be like a um a creature type uh you know like a, a tribal uh bent to the set have you seen that 
I, I heard that there was an elf tribal planeswalker, so I figured it would probably be a tribal themed set. And it seems like Watsi's trying been trying to make zombies work in modern, given that we got some in Amonkhet, we got some in uh, Innistrad that were pretty good. That seem like you know the pieces are gathering, and then we got some good ones in uh, Modern Horizons One. So I think since there's no other zombie tribal in standard right now, this would be a good time for them to push these Draugar if they have the zombie creature type and maybe give us the last couple pieces we need for a modern zombies deck. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be really good. Uh, based on the spoilers and what Wizards has told us so far, it does look like Kaldheim is going to have a tribal bent to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as far from what I can see, and I'm kind of looking at Mythic Spoiler right now, um, there uh, no zombies have been... Um, Mm. spoiled yet but i mean if you're gonna have a tribal set you have to have zombies right so uh if they went to have zombies be a part of this the drag are just a a perfect fit so i'm looking forward to see what they do with uh with this idea or just with zombies in general in call yeah i could see the black tribe being horrors or something but i think that would disappoint a lot of people i don't know um I, I, I like zombies because I, t- I tend to hate tribal because it feels like it's all the same deck. It's just a bunch of two drops that give all your guys plus one, plus one. But zombies have always managed to do it in a really interesting way. They've, like, brought each other back or tapped to lose life and draw cards. Like, they engage with each other in a tribal way that's more interesting than just this elf is all the other elves' dad or whatever. Uh, and everybody yeah, gets plus one, plus one. So I would be excited to see some, some Draugar, some zombie tribal in, uh, in Kaldheim for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's my that's my first idea. All right, yeah. So I uh, we both had Ratatosker on our list, um, and I made a card for it. I love Ratatosker's lore. I think he's really interesting. Um, so, do you want to talk about Ratatosker a little bit first, or do you want to just jump into the card? So my, <laughs> I, see, I see what you pulled up there. Um, so uh, I, I honestly don't know too much about what this uh, what this little creature is, but my understanding is that it's a bit of a trickster spirit that lives on uh, Yggdrasil, the the tree. I hope I'm saying that right, and uh, uh, conveys conveys messages between uh, you know the gods and goddesses uh, via crawling up and down the tree. Is that correct? Um, yeah. So there's a couple things. So he uh, there's an eagle that lives at the top of the tree and a dragon that vibes under the tree. And Tusker basically, like, runs up the tree and tells the eagle that the dragon said a bunch of shit about him that he didn't actually say, and then does the same thing the other way around. And just gets them mad at each other, just kind of to be an asshole. Uh, And then he also chews on the roots of Yggdrasil. Um, Like, he gnaws gnaws on it, and apparently that's going to have something to do with Armageddon, maybe when he's chewed the roots completely. Um, Which is sort of where my design comes from. Um, so this is Tosker Root Defiler. Uh, it's two, a black, and a green for a 3-3 legendary rat horror. Um, he gets plus one, plus one for each creature in each opponent's graveyard, sort of referencing, you know, he's sort of sowing chaos. And, and then for one mana, you can discard the bottom card of each opponent's library. Each opponent who discarded a creature this way loses one life. And that was more of a flavor thing. It sort of represents chewing on the roots. You're discarding the bottom card of your opponent's library instead of the top card. Oh, that's that's very interesting. Uh, does that work within the? I'm sure like the rules can be written to where that works, but like, does that line the text work in the rules as written? Uh, and there, obviously, we know exactly what that means. But uh, yeah, um, there's been cards that draw cards from the bottom of your deck, so oh, okay, I can't well, yeah, that's too hard. Yeah, that, to- that totally makes sense. I, I wonder if uh, you could say like mills from the bottom of your deck or something like that. 
Maybe. I would be curious how they would choose to phrase it now, because I believe this effect has happened once or twice, but not since they keyworded mill. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I do like. I do. Yeah. I love this idea. Um. You know, it's basically a um. You know, kind of a mid range card that sits down and uh, holds the board down, and then mm-hmm. you know you could just kind of pump uh, uh, mana into it to uh you know uh, basically grow it and uh and uh, have your opponents lose uh, life. I think this is a great design. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think it, it captures what the what the character did. There are really two routes I could go with it. You could either like do the gossipy thing, like maybe make two of your opponent's creatures fight each other eventually or something, but I decided to focus on the chewing on the roots aspect. Um, so yeah, I, I am I would love a Ratatoskr card. I feel like it'll be legendary. I feel like it'll be intended to be used as a commander, probably not necessarily an actual standard card. Right. So this is not so this is like a a deity, but let's be honest, it's a squirrel and squirrels have a um a venerable place within magic history. Um as the recent the ding 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 secret layer has shown us that you know there's a lot of uh, love for squirrels and magic. I would love to see a rather uh, Ratatoskr be shown kind of in that vein as uh, other squirrels that we've seen in magic, but um, you know, do something real weird with it. He is kind of an ambiguous rodent as far as I understand. I mean, same Uh, in the Norse mythology. Like he's been depicted, I think as a rat and as a squirrel. Um, Mm -hmm. I would not mind that. I just hope they don't go super cheesy. Look guys, you love squirrels, right? This is more squirrel tribal or haha funny (laughs) meme. Um, sure, sure. Kind of thing. Like it feels like they drag a lot of stuff into the ground when they realize that fans like it. So that's true. That's true. I, I do have to say this is pretty cool. Um, you know, because Norse mythology is kind of known for being like super huge and metal and over the top, and it's kind of uh, funny to see this you know little diminutive like rat squirrel type creature yeah. um, have such a an important place within a huge eagle that lives in a tree that encompasses the entire universe, and like a huge dragon that lives under the tree, and then all of these you know like uh, fearsome and, and ferocious gods that. Uh, this, uh, this basically tree rat can be so important. Yeah, just for like crawling up and down the tree and telling the eagle that the dragon subtweeted them. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I think th- I think this is a great idea. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I think I would. I think we're going to see a Ratatoskr card. I would be very surprised if we didn't. Um, but next, sure, we've sure. got a card that you actually designed um, based on the Norse kraken, and I love this one. Will you? Uh, do you want to talk about the krakens a little bit first? Or you want to just read the card? No, I'll talk a little bit about Krakens. Um, I actually thought you were going to hate the card, to be honest. I, I was designing it, and I thought, oh, man, Fred's going to hate this. But anyway, so Krakens, like everyone kind of knows what a Kraken is. It's very um, – it's permeated a lot of, uh, you know, kind of our – you know. Um, modern understanding of mythologies all around the world. Uh, and magic already has krakens. You know, we know them as these huge sea-dwelling creatures that can uh, come up from the depths and attack ships, uh, attack, uh, you know, settlements, and just uh, terrorize the people who are trying to live, uh, you know, on or by the sea. So the actual word kraken and the idea of, 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 of a kraken actually comes from sta- a Scandinavian folklore. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think we would be remiss to uh, not have krakens be a part of Kaldheim. Uh, and one cool thing about krakens that we haven't really seen is we always think of them as coming up and uh, you know attacking ships and you know being like a bane of sailors who are um, you know, uh, sailing on the seas. 
Magic now has vehicles, and mm. uh, a lot of those vehicles are some sort of ship, and that kind of makes sense. I would love to see, you know, now that we're going to, uh, you know, what could be called the home of Krakens, if we could create Krakens that are specifically designed to attack ships, aka the vehicles of yeah. Magic the Gathering. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, um, it would be super easy, and when I was designing this card, I kind of it was it's really easy to kind of over design it uh and i tried not to do that but i i tried to make a, a crack in here that um is specifically good against vehicles um so this is a norse kraken uh mm -hmm. it is a eight mana eight eight leviathan with flash so you know if you have eight mana you could just drop this down but when it enters the battlefield it fights up the one target vehicle you don't control if norse kraken does so tapping i don't know if that's actually how that last sentence would be worded in the rules but well, it depends on how you want it to work do you want it to be able to get rid of vehicles that haven't been crewed right yeah well no um uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That doesn't work the way I wanted it to. Um, I, it would probably have to say uh, vehicle creature. You don't. So you, you don't want it to be able to get rid of vehicles that haven't been crewed yet. Uh, uh well, that's that's possible. Um, yeah. There's a number of different ways you could go about this. I am not a master card designer, but I hope that this gets the idea across. Um, sure. That you know, yeah. So it's a kraken that would you know fight a vehicle or be really good at blocking vehicles. Yeah. Um, I think that I think this is a great idea and is a way to give the Kaldheim krakens a flavor that's outside of the normal magic kraken idea. I agree. I love this design. I think this would be a sweet, like, uncommon um, in Limited just to sort of hose the couple good vehicles. It, it, and then it's a sort of safety valve in case we get a um, design mistake like that train from Kaladesh. Um, yeah. Yeah, where there's a busted common vehicle, there's at least an uncommon counter to it. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's it's flavorful. I love it. Um, I didn't know if you wanted it to hit vehicles that have been crewed or not yet. So like as worded, it would probably cause a lot of pre-release judge headaches. But I mean, I, I, I do want to crack in that somehow hoses vehicles because it'd be silly if we didn't get at least some Viking longships in the set. Um, and yeah, like, yeah. you know, just making sure that it's bigger than any ship in the set so it can take any of them into the deep i think it's a super flavorful design very good yeah I, I love oh this. yeah i i these are not real cards i am not a card designer please do please do not think oh. these are real card designs <laughs> but uh <laughs> any, anyway um i think this is a great idea i want to hear what you have next yeah so next um i just want to talk about dwarven artificers i read a, a norse myth while we were researching for this so loki just as a prank cut thor's wife's hair before they were going to get married um, and he had to go to the dwarves to get them to craft her some new hair. And he was like, damn, your like crafting equipment is really cool. Um, and they were like, yeah, we can craft pretty much anything on it and it'll be like magical and stuff. And he's like, I don't believe you. Um, and then they were like, all right, but, uh, if we do craft something cool enough to impress you, we get to cut off your head. Um, you know how, how that kind of thing sort of goes. Uh, yeah. And then they crafted a bunch of different magical artifacts after crafting the new hair for Thor's wife, uh, which included Mjolnir, which is Thor's hammer. Uh, and then Loki was kind of impressed, so instead of cutting off his head, they just sewed his mouth shut, uh -huh. uh, which apparently got retconned later, so his mouth wasn't sewn shut anymore. These myths were written by a lot of different people, and they're sort of passed down like a game of telephone, but I, I, I did read that one from, like, the, the mythology wiki. Um mm -hmm. 
thought it was really interesting and it sort of got my mind racing and I don't have a full design for this, but I was just thinking like, what if there was a legendary dwarf or even non-legendary that was like red and white that could birthing pod the equipments attached to it? Cause they just kept making more and more magical artifacts. It could birthing pod the equipments attached to it and then attach the new equipments to itself automatically. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, Birthing Pod is a, a, a very beloved magic card in the <laughs> magic community. And uh, yeah, uh, I think that any sort of, um, I'm thinking of how excited people were of uh, uh, Vanifer uh, coming out and being, yeah. basically being a creature uh, Birthing Pod, how people were super excited for that, even though it was a very fair card. Yeah, very um, fixed version. Yeah. Any card that's going to come close to Birthing Pod is going to be super popular and people are going to go crazy for it. Um, and this is a really interesting idea, uh, a, a really interesting um, uh, iteration of that type of card. Um, yeah, so I, I would love to see something like that. And as someone who loves aggressive strategies and using equipment, this card would be right up my alley. Yeah, and like I'm just thinking it turns Spider Silk Net into that big-ass hammer and then oh, it yeah, automatically. Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, like it's just, you know, you can make some kind of equipment toolbox, turn any two drop equipment into one of the swords, like that kind of thing would be fun and modern, but it would also just be a really flavorful design. I think it'd be a fun commander deck. So, um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. just load up with, you could load up with um, equipment and uh, yeah, just kind of keep cycling through it. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, some kind of token equipment uh, would also be cool. Like if they made like some dwarf that could pump out token equipments. I really liked that ability on the Nahiri from the commander deck. Uh, that she oh, debuted yeah. in, like where she made a token swords, and you'll see that on another design that I made. I, I love equipment, and I think token equipment like were such a neat idea that they barely touched. Um, so yeah, well, Dwarven Arch. Well, if they want, if, well, if they want to bring token equipment back, I think this would be a good set to kind of try that, since they really, uh, from what I've seen of the spoilers, they really seem to kind of uh, be going in that direction. Yeah, I think the Nahiri from Zendikar Rising might be a sleeper now. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so next thing, um, we've got Sleipnir, uh, and this is uh, sort of the, this is um, Odin's eight-legged horse. Uh, and I, I have the names for the legendaries. I just you know he's got eight legs, and Nir is sure, uh, yeah. half of the name. So, uh, Oknir Thunder's hooves is three and double white for a four-five horse angel. Uh, it's got flying. When it enters the battlefield, you gain eight life because it's a white rare. Whenever you yes. gain life, create a Bolt of Thunder artifact token. It is an equipment with equip one, and equip creature gets plus one O and first strike. You knew exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> um, so this is, you know, it, it, the eight life is flavorful because he's got eight legs. Uh, Odin's horse has eight legs. That's in the lore. Uh, apparently they drowned a bunch of horses, and only one of them came out, and it had eight legs. And that was his horse. Oh. Um, yeah, well, well, you know, it had to get you out of the water quickly. Um, I love that this gains life. Uh, you know, um, this, <laughs> I know this is your, I'm basically going to repeat your joke. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, like, uh, uh, white is in a really bad spot right now. And I think just tacking the life game onto, uh, onto white cards is uh, not the way to go about designing white cards, Wizards. Please give us something different. Yeah, well, okay. I think, I think it's okay when the gaining life also does something. That's when sure. you, yeah, yeah, you need payoff for life gain. And this card does do payoff for life gain. You're guaranteed to get at least one artifact token, and it's a good equipment. Um, plus one oh and first strike for one is good. And then if you gain more life later, you get more. But it's it's a flavorful card. I mean, this card would obviously be disgusting and limited, I think. 
Um, it oh, could be one yeah. of the best rares, but I mean, probably not constructed playable because it's five mana. Um, and Horse Angel is a creature type we haven't had yet. I always like to look out for new creature types. Horse um, Angel is great. Uh, big props to you for coming up with that. Very satisfying. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is Slayupnir. I think there are a lot of um, different forms Slayupnir could take. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lore surrounding him. Odin, Odin's supposed to ride him into battle on Ragnarok. Um, so yeah, what, what direction do you think they might take Slavenir in? Oh, I, uh, geez, it's probably just going to be some janky white, um, you know, uh, white rare that's, uh, gains life and does nothing with the life and, uh, doesn't do anything that actually puts white on the map, uh, in terms of constructive playability. So I nailed the design. <laughs> you did. You got it, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I agree, unfortunately. I think that's probably just what's going to happen. Unless the Odin-coded character is the red one, in which case his horse might match, and then, you know, maybe bolt things. I don't know. I um, actually think, yeah, actually, I think that um, Odin is probably going to be, um, or whatever Odin is going to be, uh, will be red instead of white. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, actually, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see Slutnir be a, uh, be a red card. Yeah, I don't know. I think it'll definitely be a better card if it's red. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll see. Yeah, Slavenir is just such a cool, weird character, so I, I wanted to include it in here. And next we've got a sort of limited... Um, you're, you're showing off a mechanic here um, with uh, with filing teeth. Will you tell us about what filing teeth meant in Old Norse culture? Oh, yeah. The absolutely. picture you posted in Discord made me viscerally uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I kind of thought about that, but uh, yeah, so... Uh, the filing of teeth. Um, this is something that we've seen on, uh, you know, real Viking warriors uh, that, uh, sorry, I got cat on my left now, um, that they would do. Um, for, and we don't exactly know why they did it, even though we could make some educated guesses. Uh, so the Vikings, um, both as like a way to um, mark like an achievement or just a way to make themselves, um, you know, seem more fe fearsome is that they would do a, a filing of their teeth. They would file the bottoms of them to be more, uh, to be more flat. And then they would also carve grooves or symbols like circles or shapes into the front of the teeth Ooh. as like a, as a, like a decorative thing. And, um, you know, yeah, it sounds really painful, doesn't it? Uh, uh, and, um, you know, we can kind of guess that this was, you know, to make them look more fearsome and then also, you know, give them like a permanent way um, to mark achievements. Um, so, uh, but we also, it, it wasn't like they, they weren't, they didn't all do it. It was a kind of more of like a specialized thing, it seems. So I figured, you know, we know we're, we're not going to get things called the Vikings, but we're going to get something that is an analogy to them. And I thought, you know, if they went to highlight this part of, you know, Viking culture and the you know, Norse culture, that they could uh, put this into a mechanic. And I've designed this card to kind of show that off. This is a career Viking. It mm -hmm. is a, a white card. Uh, so two, uh, it's a bear, two white mana. Uh, and is a 3-3 three, three naturally. So you can just play this as a 3-3 three, three normally. It's a, a creature type human warrior. And then it has the um, uh, ability keyword filing teeth. You can choose that. And it works a lot like uh, Unearth in um, uh, Return to Ravnica. You may have a uh, career Viking Unleash? into the battlefield. I'm sorry, what's that? Unleash? Uh, uh, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, you may have career Viking enter the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. If you do, put a first strike counter on career Viking. 
So it's it's kind of that idea where it's like modal. You you play it. Um, you um, uh, it could be a three three or a two two with first strike, uh, and it uses minus one minus one counters to do it, which I think is a very flavorful way mm-hmm. of highlighting how awful filing your teeth is. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really interesting too because it completely changes how the creature does combat. Like if you put the minus one minus one in the first strike on it, it can kill. It can eat three twos now, but it can no longer eat two threes. It gets eaten by them. So it like you know changes the way that gameplay works and really rewards. I'm assuming this is meant to be like a limited card. This doesn't look constructed playable. Looks like probably a common, uh, and it right. would really uh, reward you for knowing the stats of the other common creatures and stuff in your opponent's colors. So it seems like a very skill testing mechanic. Um, and it also seems like it could go a lot of places. I'm assuming you don't just put first strike counters on creatures whose teeth you file. Like there could be one that draws you cards or something. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Um, I yeah. know it's not uh, italicized like it normally would be, but this is an ability um, thing like raid. So it yeah, does yeah, different. Yeah. It does ball. different things for every single one. Yeah. No, I like this a lot. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's a super rich mechanic, and even just like putting other keyword counters on it is. I just really interesting, um, and this this looks like an, a, a skill testing limited card for sure. And it even has a uh, connection to like today modern events because these uh, these people on TikTok are filing their teeth, and uh, so maybe. Wait, are you uh, serious? Oh, I I don't think, like, it's not like a phenomenon. It's kind of like the Tide Pod thing. People weren't oh. actually out there eating Tide Pods. It was just kind of a joke. But there are TikToks of people out there filing their teeth because there are a few crazies out no. there. So, yeah, that is a thing. That disgust. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, that grosses me out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no good. Uh, so. <laughs> but, yeah, no, not, I love. Not yeah, just sorry. for Norse mythology. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, uh, and they're probably like twelve-year-olds too. Oh, oh, Ooh. yeah, they're they're um, TikTok, uh, TikTok children. But okay. uh, yeah, that's yeah. disgusting. That I hate that for me and for knowing that and for you. Anyway, yeah. Back, <laughs> yeah. back to Norse mythology. Please tell me what else you have uh, came up with for yeah. uh, for, for uh, possible ideas for Kaldheim. Yeah. So this is uh, Jotunheim, uh, and it is. There's a lot of different Heims or like worlds in Norse mythology. Jotunheim is the land of the Jotun or the giants. Niflheim is the ice spirits. There's a lot of different Heims. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, do you remember in Lorwyn when there were weird lands that did very specific things for tribes? So, like Murmuring Bosk for tree folk. There was a giant one. There was an elemental one that can make any color of mana for elementals. Oh like yeah, those there, kinds there of lands. was. Yeah, there was Murmuring Bosk, which was basically a triland that worked well with a uh, tree folk. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, um, yeah, there, yeah, there was the um, elemental one, uh, and they, yeah, they did the the different things. Although most yeah. of them were basically just dual lands that kind of came untapped if you were able to um, be able to be playing that that tribe. I do remember these. Yeah, comments. some of them, but there were specific ones that had strange abilities that kind of worked with the tribe. And I was yes. thinking Jotunheim would be something like that for giants. I'm expecting some giants in this set, maybe for the giant tribal that they played at in Eldraine to come full circle here. Um, yeah. And, like, maybe we'd get a red-white land that comes in tapped unless you control a giant, and, like, you can pay some mana and tap a giant to fling a non-giant creature. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That seems to be a thing that they like to do with giants. Um, so just just some, some land that uh, has something to do with giants. It could even just be a colorless land with a cool giant-based ability, um, like maybe allowing you to, like, just put plus-on-plus-on counters in your giant, similar to the, like, animal sanctuary that we saw in the last core set. 
Um, yeah. I just think the Himes are really interesting, and if we were to get legendary lands that sort of either work tribally or you just had interesting abilities based on the different Himes, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, that seems like a great idea. Uh, you know, Wizards has definitely seen in the last recent sets um, to be creating lands that tie into the themes of the set. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm thinking of like Plaza of Harmony, that was a Gates land uh, for um, uh, for the the most recent Ravnica block uh, sets. Uh, and then uh, Base Camp uh, for uh, Zendikar Rising that played into the party mechanic. Uh, and then uh, Ixalan had the one, it was a, a tribal um, theme. Maybe we could see something like that, especially if Kaldheim is going to be more tribal. Yeah. I could definitely see this is uh, something that they've been uh, kind of leaning towards with uh, recent design. Uh, if this is a tribal set, I feel confident that we'll be getting not like rare dual lands, but some sort of utility land that ties in yeah. to the different um, into the different tribes, either one for each tribe or maybe one that kind of combines tribes. I, I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could do it. But yeah, one that plays just with giants, I think is a great idea, especially since there is a specific world in Norse mythology that is for the giants. That's a great idea. Yeah, and we could get like a Draugr Crypt and like an Elf Haim and stuff. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, this is just sort of to something to be expanded on, something I would like to see in the set. Um, right. But yeah, next. Especially, oh, sorry. Yeah, especially since giants are known as being big, um, big creatures that are expensive, you know, like you need lands to, um, uh, to play those off. So I could definitely see maybe like a, it ramps in a weird way, but only for, to be able to play your massive uh, giants uh, more on curve, uh, yeah. something like that would be good. Do you think we'd see a land that just taps for two mana that you can spend on giants? <sighs> That's a little too close to Eldrazi Temple, which has proven to be a problem. Um, so Here's it would the thing be... though, Eldrazi's were good. There's one good giant and it's three mana. <laughs> Um, I, I would say the Titans were giants and they were all pretty good. But uh, neither so, of them benefit from two colorless mana. Uh, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, it, I think it would probably be more on the lines of base camp, which is a shitty card and, uh, <laughs> is terrible for, for both party and any other deck you're trying to make. Base so, camp, more like cringe camp. I could see that card being made, but it would, um... It would be like it would be nerfed away like base camp is. It would be a Karoo land that taps for two colorless for giants and it comes in tapped. Yeah, something something <laughs> like that. But yeah, I would yeah. love to see something like this. Well, I'm gonna dream about it and you can be it here in reality with all the boring losers. Um, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so next you've got uh Ericsson Discovers Vinland. Tell me a little bit about this historical event. <laughs> discovers in quotation marks yeah. for obvious reasons. How white oh, people geez. discover things. Oh yeah, that that oh yeah, that's all just on there. Okay, so Leif Erikson, uh, you know, is known for being the first European to um to get to the Americas and uh, you know discover what was there, and they called it Vinland, uh, you know, because of the uh, the wild uh, great you know great vines uh, that were there. It was very. Um, still cold, but you know, a bit more uh, bountiful, um, a bit more growing there than the native, uh, you know, Greenland and Iceland. Um, you know, we say discovered because obviously people were living there, and I thought 
that you know Kaldheim could uh, pay tribute to this uh, incredible quote discovery. So um, how how else to do it than with a with a uh, with a dual land? So this is Canada. Uh, Canada is uh, it's a normal land. Enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, you create a food token, and then it taps for red and white, of course. Uh, so, um, of course, we would need to theme the food. You know, it, it wouldn't make sense to have, um, you know, the uh, Eldraine-type food. So I've come up with a few more food tokens here, um, two of them to kind of go in two different directions. One of them paying homages, uh, homage to the, um, you know, bountiful uh, vines of grapes uh, that Erickson found when he got mm -hmm. there. So I've got a nice, uh, you know, nice grape vine, you know, a bountiful harvest there. And then, of course, um, you know, to pay tribute to modern times, another food token highlighting uh, beer and poutine. Yeah, I... Okay, so real quick, looking at poutine makes me lose my appetite. Like, oh, yeah, I, it's it's so nasty to me. Like, I will, like, be craving food and be like, I probably shouldn't eat. I'm gaining a lot of weight in quarantine, and I'll just look at pictures of poutine. Right, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. with all that cheese and then I'm sure meat-based gravy, uh, yeah, my arteries are clogging just looking at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's I've never smelled it, but I just imagine it smells so gross. Um, but yeah, I like this. I, I was surprised we didn't get lands that said basically this in Eldraine. Um, yeah. I think like these are these would be acceptable to have it common. Um, I think they're kind of just like the, the gain one life lands. You gain the three life, but you have to pay some mana for it later. Like the only the only reason I could see them not doing that was like maybe some crazy popper deck that just really wants artifacts for artifacts sake. Or, I mean, fuck, some legacy deck that just wants artifacts for artifacts' sake, gains too much from having an artifact enter off of a land coming in tapped. Um, oh, and yeah, yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, um, this particular card, Canada, that taps for red and white, would probably be able to be used in that um, uh, Boros artifact popper deck, uh, the one that uses, like, Cor uh, Core Skyfisher. Super cool, both of those. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's actually, uh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I know if this came in other colors, I would play it in the popper, um, uh, a tog fling deck that I have, yeah, um, because it would just, you know, give me more food to sack to the atog to fling. Um, but yeah, I think these are really cool, clean designs. If we, especially if we don't have to think about degenerate interactions from fifteen years ago, um, I think these are <laughs> good, clean designs that could totally exist and like just you know different feasting halls. Um, like oh, that's actually, that oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I don't know if you're of the opinion that food should be evergreen or just come back every once in a while like treasure. I think it could be, be cool if it just comes back every once in a while like treasure or, or gold. Um, yeah, I, I, that's how I would want it. I wouldn't want it every yeah. set, but like when it makes sense. Uh, like like if the only food cards in Kaldheim were like feasting halls for each, you know, like pair of mana they wanted to do and they were like uncommon, I think that that would be a really good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, yeah, so that so that so that's Canada, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, you know uh, this monumental quote discovery should be um, uh, uh, should be um, celebrated and called high in some way. In my <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Um, even just like some explore type card. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we play an extra lands, but yeah, I love this design. I think it's clean, and I think that um, white person style discovery um, would be uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> discovering something that a bunch of people already live in. Um, so yeah, I made a card for Stolas, and Stolas is a kind of obscure Norse um, demon deity. He's an owl demon, 
Um, and he oh. asks you, he knows a lot about herbs and medicine. Uh, and mm-hmm. he will challenge you to sort of trivia about herbs and, and medicine. And if you don't know enough, he'll like lead you to the forest and you'll get lost. Um, um, okay. Now, now I have to be honest. I don't know anything about this uh, particular uh, figure in Norse mythology, but it sounds like a sphinx to me. Kinda. He's just an owl with really long legs. He's some kind of demon prince. He wears a little crown in yeah. his depictions that I've seen. Um, and he's just kind of a dick all the time. Yep. Um, he's really like, uh, like, um, he's like the Norse mythology equivalent of like being a woman and walking outside in a Nirvana t-shirt. And then yep. somebody just comes up to you and like quizzes you about their back catalog. Um, and that's what Stolas is. He's that guy. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. But about medicine and herbs and stuff. So I have designed a addling Strix and it, um, you know, I wanted to continue with the theme of asking your opponent difficult questions. So he's two, a blue and a black. And I didn't, couldn't quite get all the text on the card and cardsmith. And I don't want to fidget with it for too long, but I know what it says. It's yeah. two, a blue and a black for a bird, two, two bird flying. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent looks at the top five cards of their library and separates them into two face down piles. Choose one of them and exile it face up. Shuffle the other pile back into its owner's deck. You may cast spells your opponent's own exiled by cards called Addling Strix, and you may spend mana as though or mana of any type to cast those spells. So oh, that is, that is super cool. Yeah, it's when it enters the battlefield, it factor fictions your opponent's deck, uh, and then you can play the cards. Uh, and so I, I wanted to make it so that like you didn't just get them immediately, because then I'd have to overcost. Or you didn't just get them for as long as you wanted them, because then I'd have to overcost the card pretty hard. I wanted to stay with a four mana two two flyer, so I decided. You have to control an Adeling Strix to cast cards exiled with Adeling Strix. Um, oh, so it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be the same one, but if you lose yours, you can't cast the cards anymore, but if you play another one, you can. Um, okay. And I yeah, just but... thought it reflected the sort of quizzical, like putting your opponent in an awkward um, situation sort of uh, vibe that Stolas has. Oh, yeah, this is a great design. A very uh, one flavorful to what you've told me, but also... Yeah, this is just really interesting magic design. Um, you know, like uh, players love factor fiction. That's like yes. one of their favorite, especially like old school, like uh, old school players that favor control just love effects like this. Um, and I actually really like uh, more recent iterations that they've done, like um, the um, uh, legendary creature from uh, Theros that does this when it comes into play. I don't remember its name. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, the Oracle of what, the Black. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and, I, and to do this out of your uh, both to put like almost two spins on it that like it's your opponent's deck and uh, that you know you can um, and give you the ability to cast those cards so you're being able to cast cards that are not a part of your deck. That's just a really good. I, I would love to see like this particular card design show up somewhere down the road. Absolutely, I put it at rare. I really wanted to put it at uncommon, but it's just too much text to be an uncommon. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, 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 my, my kind of thought process was like it's like a Gaunty factor fiction. People like both of those cards a lot. Um, yeah, so that that was kind of where I wanted to go with it. I decided not to make it legendary because um, I wanted you to like not really be punished for playing multiple copies of it because that makes it better. Oh right, for for sure. Yeah, this this is a great card. Good good job. You you have Thank a you. you have a knack for uh, creating these cards. I really like designing cards. I, it's one of my, I do it like in my spare time. I think it's really fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, this is the Stolas card, Adeling Strix. 
Um, so next we've got church burnings based. Um, what are uh, you wanted to talk about Norwegian black metal church burnings? Yes, absolutely. So this is a bit more modern, but li like I said, you know, uh, Kaldheim can take uh, lots of different uh, um, inspirations from lots of different places. So black metal is a like a underground like subculture of metal music that um, flourished in uh, Nor Norway uh, in the early '90s. And uh, let's be honest, black metal sucks. It's it's no good. It's, that was a hot take. It, 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 it really is. Uh, and I've tried listening to it over and over again. It's <laughs> basically soup, not it's, it's an extreme form of punk. Uh, and, and it really kind of, uh, leans into the metal, um, uh, like, like the metal, um, uh, aesthetic, but it's punk music and the people playing it are not good musicians. Or and good people. Like, <laughs> that's true we'll talk about that in a second um it's yeah so th so the music is basically like really shitty pump music that is like super distorted and super metal yeah. and the people who were into that subculture were very much like against like you know um you know normal society and uh you know normal people and it was a very extreme subculture and like they were very much into like um, you know, acting like they were super evil and like uh, that manifested in actual real life crimes. Um, yeah. The thing that the black metal scene of Norway is most famous for is um, like a real rash of arsons against these uh, historical wooden um, uh, like uh, Christian churches in Norway. They would go at night and they would like torch these churches as sort of like proof that they were as, as metal as their music made them uh, seem that they were. And um, okay, so the arsons weren't great, <laughs> but... But you have to admit that the the aesthetic of seeing these uh, you know um, historical wooden churches just burning in the in the dark when you know surrounded by snow is a pretty metal image, is it not? It is pretty metal. I um I don't agree with the church burnings just because I think it would kind of fuel the religious victim complex um a little bit more than it would help get rid of religion as a concept. Um, so black metal, I guess the way to look at it. Uh, in terms of the people that make it. Are you familiar with the monkey's paw? You make yes. a wish, but it gets corrupted. So you look at punk music. You use the monkey's paw, and you wish that punk uh, musicians would date women their age. Um, but the monkey's paw twists. So black metal musicians will date women who are above the age of consent, but they'll also murder them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's no good. <laughs> um, it's... It's no good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, arson's no good. We're just making jokes here. But I think this is a perfect way to bring Stone Rain back in the standard, baby. That's right. Stone Rain back um, in standard. Church burning. Three mana, red, sorcery, destroy target land. I would like to note that arson is no good is not the official stance of both hosts of this podcast. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I like this design. I, I would love Stone Rain back in standard. I don't think it's too broken. I think it's fine to give us four mana Stone Rain with a slight upside if we're scared of doing three mana Stone Rain. And I would understand why I would be scared of doing three mana Stone Rain, especially in a format with one mana mana dorks. But I think once Gilded Goose rotates, three mana Stone Rain is perfectly fine. Um, I do like the Stone Rain with like tiny, tiny, tiny upsides. So stuff like Molten Rain, where it costs one more red, but you do two damage if it was a non-basic land. So I think sure. to add some flavor, maybe Church Burning could like destroy target land. Its controller sacrifices an Angel, Cleric, or Spirit. 
just like something that's a corner case that's like very rarely relevant, but like gives it a little bit of that church burning flavor um, rather than like a functional reprint of Stone Rain potentially. Sure. Yeah, we. I mean, you could definitely go um, somewhere in in that direction. Is so. I know that Wizards like is opposed to reprinting Stone Rain because it's a feel bad for players. Yeah. Um, just uh, intrinsically, they don't like their lands being destroyed by what your opponent is doing. Um, I've never considered, and maybe you know more about this because you're more of the. You've played more Ponza in your life than I have. I play a shitload um, of Ponza. Ponza is fucking dope. I wouldn't consider just natural stone rain to be a pro like actually be like a, a power level problem in any standard uh, format that we've had recently. Um, do you think that just straight stone rain in like a, a standard set today would be like a problem or something that wizards should be trying to avoid for power level reasons? Um, the issue with stone rain is typically one mana mana dorks, and it allows you to if you go first create a three mana gap between you and your opponent on turn two. Because if you go first and play a Mana Dork, they go second, play their land, you take your turn two, tap your Mana Dork and your two lands to Stone Rain their land, you have put them back to turn one, and when you untap, you will be on turn four. So okay, yeah. that's the issue with... it. Once Gilded Goose rotates, I honestly think Stone Rain would be fine and standard. Um, and the reason Ponza is so strong and modern is because you can absolutely consistently get a turn two Stone Rain and often even a turn two Crumble to Dust or uh, Mwangli Acid Moss. Um, so the, the issue isn't Stone Rain itself, it's just do we want to have Stone Rain or one mana mana dorks in the standard format because we can't have both. Okay, what if Church Burning was three red? So there was no generic mana cost. It was just like you need to be straight in the red, absolutely no uh, ramping other than your uh, short-term rituals. Um, I think in this standard that would be fine with Shocklands, no, but... There's no way to have an untapped actual dual land to play Mana Dork into Triple Red Spell. So, yeah, no, I think that would be fine. Yeah, that's a little yeah. over-designed, though. But anyway, yeah. when, well, you'd want to add um, you'd want to add an extra effect if you're going to make a Triple Red. But right, yeah, yeah. one can dream. Uh, this is how I'd like to see Stone Rain come back into uh, into standard, but and also um, uh, be a um, uh, be a tribute to the shittiest music ever. <laughs> Yeah, shittiest music ever. Yeah, yes. Really? I would I would put it up there, yeah. Is it is it shitty enough that it's fun to listen to like like mid-2000s bling rap? I would say no. Um I've tried okay. to listen to it quite a few times and it's always not something I just I just cannot get into. Okay, yeah. So that's a uh, black metal church burnings. Uh yes. even if it's not a stone rain reprint, that'd be a cool thing to see in uh, in paper, in in magic. Absolutely. Um, I think it'd be a cool thing to, to introduce. So next we've got Ragnarok, which, um, you know, it's a sort of apocalyptic event, a war between gods and other deities. Um, Norse mythology is kind of like Greek mythology in that the power level of all of its deities isn't exactly clear. Like giants might be stronger, uh, might be as strong as gods, etc., um, there's a like the wolf Fenrir will kill Odin at Ragnarok. It's proph prophesized, but Ragnarok is um, sort of when the world tree has like had its roots chewed all the way, or like the dragon and eagle decide that they're finally ready to fight. Um, Ragnarok will happen, and I, I expect it to be some sort of board wipe. I'd honestly be surprised if there's not a Ragnarok themed board wipe. I don't think it'll just be a Wrath of God reprint. There will probably be some 
slight upside they use to justify it costing seven mana or whatever, as they've been doing with board wipes recently. Um, but I think there will definitely be a Ragnarok card. Maybe like just every creature fights every other creature. I don't know. What do you think the Ragnarok card might look like? Oh, we're absolutely getting this. This is like the one, like, yeah. uh, I think, slam dunk. This and Yggdrasil. Yeah, for sure. And, and especially since I, I know that, um, you know, the Soy Boys at, uh, at Wizards <laughs> of the Coast, you know, no offense. But um, yeah, I'm sure they're taking a lot of inspiration from Thor Ragnarok, um, which I uh. haven't seen. But it sure has to has to do with this. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some, uh, you know, Thor, um, you know, Avengers references. And Ragnarok is definitely going to be a magic card. Um, as far as ideas for it, um, it's probably going to be overcosted. Um, so it will be, <laughs> uh, you know, probably up up to like you know seven eight mana, and it'll destroy all creatures. But it'll have like uh, I don't know, maybe it'll be white and it'll gain a ton of. I don't know. Uh, or um, we already have Fumigate. <laughs> or yeah, would um, would a Celestia board white be out of character or uh, like break the color pie if it was like a green white in some way and it did like a um, put in a 2020 creature and then that creature um, an indestructible creature and then that creature fights every single creature and then you sacrifice the creature or something ridiculous like that. That I can see that, that happening or they could just like destroy all creatures and artifacts. I think that could be green white. I don't know. Yeah, that would be the boring way to do it, but yeah. Seriously, it's probably just going to be a reprint of a uh, planar cleansing, right? Just all non-creature. Oh, uh, I all hope it's not that. I really hope it's not that. I hope they do something to make it Ragnarok flavored. I would rather it be Ragnarok flavored and bad than just a Wrath of God reprint. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, yeah something new and something flavorful is why I would um, uh, prefer. But you know, there's always got to be a bad uh, board wipe, and this will probably be that for Call Time. Do you think Standard could take Wrath of God? Yes. Okay. Um, well, it currently has Wrath of God. Um, the, the, th the thing about Ra uh, Wrath of God is that it uh, hoses regeneration, which, as far as I know, does not exist in uh, current standard. Oh, do we um, have a four-drop board wipe that's just double white, double colorless? Well, um, there is um, Shatter the Sky, which lets you, both you and your opponent draw cards if you have a creature that's uh, more than four. So that's like uh, that's like a... Um, oh, uh, Yeah. That's a twist on it, but I mean, let's be honest, it's a Wrath of God. Like, I, it, the the card drawing is relevant, but like, not relevant enough to matter whether you play it or not. You play Shadow of the Sky when you need a board wipe, so. Okay, um, yeah, yes, I think I, I buy I, that. I would, say it's, I would say technically it already has Wrath of God. Okay, yeah, no, I think I buy that, yeah. Um, I just want Ragnarok to be something flavorful and cool, and I would be really disappointed if it was a reprint of another card. Or a uh, Thor, right? Or a you know uh, Marvel Avengers. Uh, yeah, Thor, the, right? every cheeky Marvel reference I see is going to make me take a longer hiatus from Magic when the dumbass Harry Potter set comes out. <laughs> now I'm actually okay. All right, so we talked about this a little bit before on a previous episode, uh, and I don't want to get too much into it now. But I am actually looking forward to Strixhaven. I want to see. I want to see the Harry Potter set. Like um, maybe it's like a car crash, and I just want to see how bad it is. But I'm actually looking forward to it and seeing what uh, what magic does. You gonna draft it over brunch? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I think I think yeah. you have some good ideas for riding a rock here. I'm gonna I will I, I I'm gonna do the pre-release with my partner because we always do that when every set comes out, and I'm excited for the Kaldheim one, the Strixhaven one. I don't know. 
maybe it won't be as Harry Potter derivative as I think it is, but I am definitely worried. Um, but yeah, the Ragnarok card is hopefully going to be dope. I have good, or I have excited uh, feelings for it, I guess. Um, maybe it's already been spoiled. I don't know. I'm going to look at the spoilers after we're done recording. Um, yep. But yeah, Ragnarok is going to be sweet. Um, so you wanted to talk a little bit about Tybalt's story arc. Uh, and I put the two cards that you referenced in his abilities here. Um, so our, yeah. our viewers who don't know what they are can read them. Um, I had to Google what Final Fortune was, and then I immediately remembered the degenerate commander deck that you showed me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Played it. I had to I had to fight Magic Set Editor to um, actually get the text on this card. Look at the way uh, that it does. So that's oh, why yeah. it like that's why it looks as weird as it does. But okay, I basically I, I made a Tibble card, but I mostly want to talk about the character of Tibble. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, have fond memories of opening him in packs of Avacyn Restored. And uh, I, when he got spoiled, it was a big deal that he was the cheapest uh, uh, Planeswalker to the, uh, that had been printed at that date. He was the first two-mana Planeswalker. And let's be honest, he was kind of bad. Not a terrible card, but he was not really anything you would play in anything that wasn't um, a, a bit of a silly deck. Yeah, um, is he still it, the only two-mana Planeswalker card? No, uh, Renin Six is now the new one. Oh, and then, yeah. And then, of course, you can argue that uh, Deathrite Shaman is is the one mana planeswalker, <laughs> or that like, Jace Vrin's Prodigy is a two mana planeswalker. Sure. Yeah. 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 But, so yeah. unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Um, so unfortunately, Tybalt uh, is a meme. Like people, you know, he's a joke, and it, 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 it's unfortunate that his character is, um, you know, kind of like a. Um, playful trickster kind of sadistic kind of guy uh because that makes it him even easier to make fun of and i think that's a real shame i think that tybalt has the ability to actually be a really interesting and influential character within magic the gathering story let's be honest he's the joker that that's what his character is supposed to be yeah we haven't had a magic set yet that takes place in a society, so he hasn't seen his full potential. Right, for sure. Um, and, and I think that there is a lot of room for magic to have a recurring Joker character. Um, the, uh, of course, the card needs to be good, uh, or you know, at least playable and not a meme. And I think it's a real shame that such a um, kind of classic character trope um, is now just a joke. Um, and I would love for the new Tybalt character to um, to show up, really lean into the Jokerness uh, of his character, and then uh, kind of change that paradigm of, oh no, my character isn't just a meme. You know, like I I am the Joker. You should be afraid when I show up because I will, you know, uh, make everything more chaotic uh, and dangerous uh, for you. So in yeah. that idea, yeah, uh, go ahead. I think I think that could be really interesting. Just kind of spells that really change, or like abilities that really change the way the game is played. Not necessarily even in a more hectic way, but just in a very like sort of intense way. And I like the the effects that you've picked for each of the spells. Like they lose the game at the end of the next turn. I think I think Skullcrack on a plus one is very very strong. Um, but I guess if it has to hit a player, it's not as broken as I because I thought for some reason that Skullcrack could hit creatures which I was wrong about so I guess it's not removal on a plus one which is definitely better 
Um, sure. Yeah. I, I would not want Tybalt to be basically like a random. I wouldn't want him to like be like everything's random and like you can't play the game. You can't be strategic because it's all just uh, random. But I do think you can infuse a little bit of that into his character and it still be a constructive, playable, uh, good card. And, and let me just go ahead and read Tybalt so everyone kind of knows what we're talking about here. Sure. Um, I, I, and I'm not a card designer. Th these are not like I, I didn't design this as like an actual exercise in what a good magic card, how it should be designed. But so four mana planeswalker of with four loyalty. Um, the plus one is basically casting Skullcrack, uh, which uh, for those of you who are not uh, experienced burn players like I am, uh, Skullcrack, uh, two mana instant, uh, players can't gain life this turn, and then uh, damage can't be prevented, and then it deals three damage to target player. Um, so, you know, plus one just kind of does a does a, a red thing you know it kind of um just kind of uh increases the clock kind of um you know hurts and uh, punishes your opponent and i think that the uh, damage prevention the light can't gain the life kind of ties into tybalt's like um a new identity uh you know uh, kind of lining it up with the world spark planeswalker which just shuts down life gain altogether. yeah that was good enough to see some sideboard play when it was in standard Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Um, the minus two, I wanted it to be able to protect itself. So um, the original or the, the most recent Tibble creates a devil token. And, and these you know, deal damage um, to yeah, target. They are target the one whatever. devil tokens. Yeah, so these will do that as well, even though I didn't write it down here. But minus two and create two one one red devil tokens with that ability um, to help protect itself and you know just kind of uh, be a board, a board presence that's very much in Tibble's character. And then um, for the game winning um, you know ultimate, I thought that Final Fortune was a good um, uh, was a good way to do it uh, and almost kind of a, a joke. If you wanted to really yeah. get into that uh, into that jokerness of it, you give your opponent another turn, but they have to kill you or they die. So uh, casting Final Fortune on your opponent will most likely uh, win the game. I, I think it's very appropriate for an ultimate for a, yeah. um, a mythic planeswalker. Um, but um, yeah, so this is my idea. I think that there's a lot that could be done with Tibble and I, I really want to see, I want to see my boy done just. Yeah, I think uh, you might have to word the final fortune ability really weirdly to actually give them an extra turn. Because if it's literally just final fortune as it's printed, then they take another turn after your turn is over, which they would do anyway. And then they lose the game at the end of that turn. But, yeah, you, you yeah, word, yeah. It how, word it however it works. Word it no how idea. it needs to be worded, but yeah, no, I get what you're trying to say. It makes sense. Um, I want to hone in on those two 1-1 one, one red devil tokens because it feels like every time that they've made those, they've been costed too conservatively to be good. Like, they, they had a rare that was six mana that made four of them in Shadows of Renistrad when they kind of debuted. Um, yeah. yeah, so I feel like a minus two on a Planeswalker is absolutely appropriate to make two 1-1 one, one red devil tokens. And I think if we get a Ragnarok board wipe, Tybalt could be all about trying, you know, he wants to watch the world burn. He could be all about making Ragnarok happen. So having creatures that do damage to something when they die would allow you to, if you've used Tybalt, get a payoff when Ragnarok happens. And it, so it sort of fits with his theme, with his lore. So I really love that. Oh, um, yeah, that, that actually would be a really great way to do it. Yeah, with the, the two one one red devil tokens. So I definitely want to see that ability on him um, just to kind of as a reward for getting to Ragnarok because that seems like something he would want to do. That seems mm -hmm. like something in character for him. He would want to kind of cause the end of the world. Um, yeah. yeah. I, would, uh, I would like Tybalt to be good. Uh, Rakish Instigator is pretty good. And like, you know, having one sideboard playable Planeswalker card is better than we can say for a lot of Planeswalkers. 
Um, but I definitely wouldn't mind a good, a, a, like a standard mainboard playable one. Yeah, that 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 would be really good. I just I just want Tibble to be good. I I, I think it's really unfortunate that he's a meme, and uh, I want a card that's going to bring him back and be like, no, I am not a meme. I'm actually a threat. So, do you think he'll pick up a black? You you, I, I think that they uh, possibly would do that. Um, that that seems like something wizards would do. But I kind of feel that he needs to kind of he needs a restart on his core uh, before we start doing iterations of him. If that makes sense. Um, like you, he needs you, like you know, can be be completely overhauled. Yeah, yeah. We we okay. need a good red tibble before we start adding colors and doing uh, doing a. Uh, um, uh, iterations of his character that are away from his core so okay hear me out complete overhaul tybalt is bant now he no longer wants to do anything crazy or evil he just brews kombucha and goes to poetry slams oh i like this i like this and he's actually like he wears the shirt that says uh this is what a feminist looks like but he's actually really shady to his girlfriend i love oh yeah yeah (laughs) he won't shut the fuck up about how he voted for elizabeth warren Okay, I, I I love this. Basically, shitty uh, shitty leftist uh, Joker Tibble. I th- I think this is a good idea. We should workshop this. Yeah, gamers settle down. All right. Yeah. So so that's yeah. my idea for Tibble. No, I I would love that. I I would love. Uh, I want um, I like for I like for planeswalkers to return eventually. I like the trend of them not just sort of getting left after their home plane. Um, I like that they sort of buck that trend because for years that would be what would happen. Like Frasca showed up on Ravnica and then she just never came back um, until like, you know, Ixalan. So it would be really cool if like Planeswalkers play an active role in other Planes stories. Uh, And I'm excited for the two new Planeswalkers. Honestly, you know, we're getting Elf Tribal one and we're getting a non-binary blue and some other colors athlete. um, Right, right. Theros from the Theros and Games. So I'm excited to see what those cards do. I hope they are good in specific decks. That's what I want out of any Planeswalker. I don't want it to be ubiquitous, but I want it to be playable. I think most people are like that. Um, uh, like, we want Planeswalkers to be good and powerful, but most people want niche Planeswalkers that are good in certain strategies and not ones that are just auto-includes. I think almost all Magic players are of that mindset when it comes to Planeswalker design. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's uh, what we want out of um, Kaldheim. Those are our sort of suggestions that we made to each other, and I just put them into a uh, into a slideshow. And yeah, I, I've had a great time doing this live episode. I think this uh, this went really well. Um, oh, there it is. Yes. Yeah. So uh, what are your uh, wh- what are your closing thoughts on on what you think we'll get in Kaldheim? What you're excited for? Anything uh, off the cuff that you've just thought of now? Uh, no, I think it's mostly going to be very um, uh, by the book, like most um, level zero references, um, because, you know, uh, you know, magic designers talk about this. They, uh, they, they say that, like, good design is giving players what they expect. Um, why do we always get Shocklands in, in Ravnica? It's because people expect Shocklands in Ravnica. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kaldheim is going to give players exactly what they expect to see in Kaldheim, which is why I'm really thinking that Snow is going to make a comeback because mm-hmm. everyone wants Snow. There's going to be a bit of an uproar if Kaldheim doesn't have Snow in it. Um, you know, if there's not an Odin card or, you know, a Slepnir card, you know, the eight-legged, uh, eight-legged horse, um, 
like people are going to be upset because they they are expecting those things so uh, like ragnarok in whatever form that takes if that's not a card i think people are going to uh be upset so wizards is going to give people exactly what they want regardless of of what that is or um whether that particular mechanic should exist in the (laughs) yeah I, I, I think I, I pretty much agree. Um, I don't know about Snow. And, like, I think the Shockland thing was partially because it was what players expected and partially because of all the death threats from not including Fetchlands in um, Return to Zendikar. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I I hope we see these things. I'm excited to see these things. I'm excited to see some Norse stuff that I didn't even know about from our research. Um, and I'm excited to um, hopefully not see any cheeky Marvel references. Hopefully, I don't want them. Hope. Marvel yeah. is imperialist propaganda. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's been our episode. How do you feel about buttoning this one up? Uh, yeah, I'm down to button this one up. Let me uh, let me take us off of live. Th- oh, you got to do a little outro. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Gutshot. We, the absolute spiciest of MTG hot takes can be found here. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Anchor, uh, Last FM probably, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. There's the ones that people actually use. Um, outside in your trash can. Yeah, you can find us outside in your trash can. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah! If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Gutshot Pod. You can follow me on Twitter, Will at at Agro Rhetoric. Uh, you can follow Frederick uh, on uh, Twitch right here where you're uh, watching this, uh, or um, if you're listening to this in the podcast, that's at War Crimes Uwu on Twitch. And uh, this has been Gutshot. Thank you so much for listening to us, and we will see you next time. <laughs>